you lock an energy at a certain age, you're told that something is wrong or you're not accepted in the way that you are. Yeah. And something gets locked in your body system and you hold it mm. all the way through your life. And mm. maybe it comes out, it leaks out, it pops out or when you get triggered or you get anger, for example. Yeah. So that's not acceptable. Don't ever be angry. Yeah. And you carry that your entire life. You don't mature in your anger beyond that age, pretty much. Maybe a little bit, but very little compared with what mm. it would have been if you were just freely allowed to express that force. It's force, right. not anger at that point. Welcome to Beyond the Matrix with your host, Adric Suber. Have you ever wondered if this is all there is in life? What lies beyond what we were made to believe? In this podcast, we're going to uncover real human stories of those who have taken courage to go off the beaten path and live in full authenticity. We're going to challenge what you believe is possible, fuel your spirit with courage and heart with warmth to fully live your truth. So buckle up and get ready for the ride beyond, beyond the matrix. Welcome back to Beyond the Matrix. I am very excited to introduce our guest today. I just came back from a long, intense retreat, and I went through a whole rebirth process, and I was just really blown away by the way our guest today facilitated the whole experience and how he just carried so many different polarities he's someone that i just couldn't fit into any boxes he is very strong very soft very kind very fierce very powerful all at the same time and those were just like a few of the things that i could point out he's so much more than that and he has gone through a lot to get to where he is today he has gone through addiction, physical abuse, um, traveled the world to really find himself, to find a place where he could call home, and eventually found himself in a place where he co-facilitated and also evolved a renowned program called the Avalon uh, for five years before finally coming to Bali to, to create his own program and step into his power to spread more of this important, really important work that I think every single person should get a taste of. So it's just really an honor to have him on the show today. Someone that I truly respect and have so much love for just for the space that he held for me and the amount of uh, presence that he held for me. And uh, I can imagine the amount of lives that he has touched just through his presence, his work, and his essence. So please join me to welcome our guest for today, Tom Slattery. Thank you. Thanks so much. Good to be here. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being here, Tom. Thank you. I knew from, I think, day three or day four, like mm -hmm. there was just something really special about you. And I think but on that day, I haven't really gotten to know your story yet, um, but it's just something about you that shines so much I don't know, like like I said, I can't put you into any box and uh you just hold this really strong presence and carry carry so much wisdom, yet so humble and it's really rare. I attended a lot of facilitator uh, I mean retreats where 
I often put the teachers or facilitators on the pedestal. Mm. I hold a certain kind of view of them. But with you, I have so much respect for you, but I also could feel so comfortable and intimate. I have so much love for you uh, as if you're like a, a friend to me at the same time. Also someone I respect a lot. So it's just, mm. yeah. And I, I knew then that I really wanted to have you on the show because you you carry this type of um, persona or character that doesn't fit a lot of the uh, standards that I have seen in my life. And I want people to get a taste of you, mm. to get a taste of Tom. Okay, <laughs> cool. And um, I guess I want you to kind of maybe start with uh, sharing how did you, was this like a, this state of presence, um, how fluid you are and how you could care hold so many polarities how do you get there was there something that you were born with and how do you come into acceptance with all of that because i'm sure along the way because of the conditioning mm. often we're told that you need to stick to a certain identity personality and i often find myself being in conflict carrying so many different roles and identities mm. so i'm curious what's your journey to get to where you are today here sure well, it's been a long journey, I would say. Um, yeah, I've spent a lot of my life diligently climbing in and out of boxes. Mm. Um, so tasting and feeling what it is to be in a certain perspective and then getting out of that perspective and then moving into a different perspective. I wasn't born with this capacity to hold polarities or to be as open as I am. It's taken me through a lot of different textures and shades of my life to get mm. to the point I am now and I'm still evolving and I'm still learning and I'm still, I always want to be that way. I don't feel we're ever, as soon as I feel like I'm kind of landing in something, then there's always a step beyond that in order to mm. feel like I'm growing or to grow into something uh, new. But yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of adversity in my life um, and a lot of, you know, light and dark. I've kind of played in both ultimately, um, I had an experience when I was a kid that was very, very strong, profound experience. Mm. And this led to this kind of opening in me where I had certain experiences from then on yeah. um, that made me question everything, made me question everything, specifically education, because I was mm. kind of waiting. Okay, so when are we going to learn about this? You know, when is this going to come into the education field? And it never did. Right. And so I was like, what is, what's, what is this? And because I wasn't very happy, I was undiagnosed dyslexic at school. Mm. I was getting bullied quite a lot at school as well. Um, and I was rebellious. I, yeah. I was kind of angry with my parents for not giving me the choice of moving. They just literally hauled me out of my childhood in one sense and put me into another um, completely different reality mm. so I was kind of like it was a kind of fuck you to to them in a way yeah. so I started disrupting and sabotaging my education I was kind of bored and um, yeah so when it came to the examinations I couldn't revise I couldn't retain the information I would get headaches I would get very drowsy when I was looking at a lot of information mm. and then eventually when it came to the exams I was just kind of completely disinterested so I left right. school more or less when I was education when I was 17 mm. and I never went back into any kind of formal education um, mm. at all it wow. didn't interest me 
Good for you. I had <laughs> this realization early on. I got to skip the whole like education, the template. The, yeah, like, the academic. Most of us had to go through just because, oh, we had to. Mm. Like, I didn't even get the question like, oh, I guess that's the next thing to do. Yeah. And um, I'm yeah. curious if you don't mind sharing what was that major life event at such an early age that made you question all of this? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it was a very, very powerful experience i've never had anything anywhere remotely um as powerful opening um as that experience um essentially is very difficult to describe i often allude to it's a little bit like trying to op um empty the ocean out with a fork like my mm. language is a fork and it's completely the inappropriate tool and the thing is so vast but i kind of got literally thrown out into what felt like vastness what felt like like an infinite space in every direction, including in. Wow. And then I kind of disintegrated into that and I had no conscious reference point for a perspective. So I kind of lost myself essentially. Yeah. In some way I was everywhere and nowhere at the same time. And I was only eight. So wow. it was really disturbing for me. Um, I was very, very frightened. Wow. What was the um, context where you like lying in the bed? Yeah, or I was lying in bed. Yeah. And it just happened out of... The yeah, it happened. I don't know the lead in. I can't remember. All I can remember was this wow. incredibly powerful, like almost coming to in a completely different context, huh. like, and so real that essentially when I when I came back into this into this realm, into this layer of, of reality, it didn't seem as real. And mm -hmm. it never seen, it, it's always had that kind of quality of this ineffable thing that's not quite what it seems. Yeah. So I then questioned everything after that. And wow. the ripple effect of that experience is still going. I'm still riding that wave. Wow. Um, yeah, it was a very, very powerful experience. And then since then, I've kind of gleaned certain pieces of information around it that make sense. But I looked a lot in my life for people to guide me hmm. or to recognize or just to to, to um, have some kind of information about what I experienced. And I never really found anyone that had yeah. had something similar. Yeah. Um, and subsequently, I've met two or three people, which has been incredible. Um, but it was, yeah, I was very, very alone in that. And mm -hmm. it, I became a different child. My parents sent me to a child psychologist because um, I was then kind of disinterested in a lot of things like intaking information wasn't so right. interested for me. It was more expressive right. arts that I was interested in. And um, I was questioning everything wow. all the time. Like, I don't get it. And this kind of thing of like, what is this yeah i was kind of and i still am today i'm a little bit less um in that kind of energy around it but yeah all, all the time i'm kind of like you know i don't this is so extraordinarily strange mm -hmm. so masterfully mystical in its in its um, presence yeah that i really don't i can be quite happy sitting here and just taking this in it doesn't i don't require much more than this mm. and f in my life that's been very much my philosophy of living is is to kind of i want to experience this as much as possible this being life this being mm. you know the force which we rest in and yeah that we get conditioned by so i spent a lot of time trying not to be educated not to be conditioned not to be identified with things to stay out of that game yeah um so that i could be free to move and to experience yeah. i can imagine how stressful and frustrating it was for you between eight to 17 years old mm -hmm. who like 
be so disconnected from all of this, but yet have to you have to be put through the system, mm-hmm. like going to school and like because you pretty much didn't have a say until I guess you turned to an adult and you mm-hmm. have to listen to what your parents said and have to really uh, withstand like all the bullying and the the feeling of not belonging. Yeah. How was that for you? Yeah, it was painful. I was really sensitive. I was really sensitive. I still am. I mean, I'm super sensitive. Mm. So I'm sensitized. Yeah. And for a long time, that was detri- it felt detrimental and I didn't know how to manage it and I didn't have very good boundaries. Right. So it was, uh, in some ways, a negative experience for me. Mm. Um, and looking back now, I can see the beauty and the intelligence in all of it. But at the time, I was... Yeah. It was very painful yeah. experience. I wasn't really accepted in school very much. I was very much on my own a lot. Mm. Um, I did have friends, but um, we were the kind of outliers. And yeah. um, the mainstream, I always sat on the edge of. And I continued to do that through my 20s and into my 30s, mm. where I kind of like extracted myself from what is normal and what is the normal kind of way of funneling oneself through life. Yeah, and just was like, I'm going to do something very, very different here. I want to mm. experience things directly. Where did that take you? After you turned 17, I guess that's what led you to travel the world and mm. in a in a in an attempt to really discover yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it took me all over the world. I yeah, I began when I was 17. My father at that point was desperate. I was um, I was smoking a lot of weed and I was doing a lot of psychedelics. I guess I was trying to touch the thing that I had experienced again, but nothing mm. brought me anywhere near as close. Right. Um, and I had a lot of interesting experience on the psychedelics and I went into that world for a number of years mm. quite diligently. I was kind of <laughs> in there and figuring things out and I yeah. go off on my own and explore. Like your research, your thesis project. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it was my research project myself. Um, yeah. And then certain point I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Right. Um, but during that time, yeah, I was, um, my, my father basically when I was 17 was worried about where I was going, where I was heading my life. So he basically presented me with a single ticket to Australia and $150 and said, go to Australia and become a man. And mm. I was like, okay, well, I'll... $150. It's not very this, much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He didn't really know. got married with that amount. Yeah. Right. Uh, back then, it was like 1990. So I guess it was right. a little bit more than it would be today. Okay. But still, I within a month, I'd blown all the cash. Like, I didn't know how to look. I didn't even know how to cook for myself at that point in my life. I'd, right. been, I'd been mothered. So, yeah, I blew the cash. I became homeless. I lived on the street. Wow. I was thumbing everywhere, I hitchhiked everywhere. At that time in Australia, there were no jobs. So I was I was trying to get work, but it was elusive and difficult. And then after a couple of months of doing that, which was a massive wake up call for me, like mm. I'd been in this incredibly wow. kind of privileged bubble. I yeah. suddenly was sleeping under trees and bushes and, you know, not taking showers and stealing fruit and, and things like that to eat. Wow. Um, I got some work and then I worked, I was kind of, I was shocked and a bit afraid by that point. So when I had the work, I, wor- I worked in the fields picking water, um, rock melons. And mm. I did it for four months and I didn't take a day off. I just went at it like wow. a beast and saved loads of money and then flew to Indonesia. And that changed everything. It blew my mind because I'd never experienced <clears throat> anything like it before. Mm. And I traveled up through Indonesia and through Malaysia and into Thailand. And had a lot of experiences over about a year that took that journey took about a year mm. and then um 
and then it, that was me that was kind of like i was locked into like i love this freedom and the exploration and the people mm. i met and um the kind of way that it shook me up in terms yeah. of like having to relearn and become and again and again and again around yeah. not knowing language not knowing not knowing not knowing and so that instigated and initiated this long journey that mm. took me all the way through to when i was 35 or 36 uh, um, from my early 20s yeah to me you sound like a you feel like a sponge of life like wherever you go you you absorb uh, a new way of being a new way of doing things like being in that a new that character in this new tv show in this new reality mm. and do you think as you get to taste so many different realities, you also got to taste different parts of you? Yeah, completely, completely. That's a realization that slowly come to me is because I was seeking a lot of the time, all the way through this, I was seeking, at first I was seeking guidance and masters. I was mm -hmm. seeking somebody who I could look up to, who mm -hmm. I could apprentice to, who understood and could guide me yeah and that was from the very beginning i mean it was from the initial thing of traveling mm. but then eventually it was just i was just looking for equals brothers and sisters that had similar experience or you know could see me or i could feel met right. and seen um and because i was often quite alone mm. um and i would go in and you know i've had people coming in and out my, my life but when you're traveling a lot you have these kind of transitory relationships and then people are gone yeah and sometimes it lasts longer and sometimes you have a lover or a girlfriend that comes with you and then it's gone and then it's this kind of way of moving through life that's very unique in a way because you're the movement is always part of the living mm. experience and so yeah and what i realized eventually was the thing itself was teaching me the thing itself mm. was the master not right i was being mastered basically mm -hmm. i wasn't mastering anything all i needed to do was open mm. to life yes and then let life literally penetrate me yeah and let it in and feel it and feel what was happening there and being open and shaking myself continuously so then i was moving between worlds increasingly fluidly mm. so i mean my brother lived in florida and he was a private pilot to a millionaire so i used to go there and hang out and we would fly in private planes and then i would go to india and i had friends in slums and i'd stay with the slums and then i'd go to the jungle and i'd go to the desert and stay with the tribal people and then i would go and um, stay with my family and so all of this stuff was like how fluidly can i move mm -hmm. in here how disidentified can i become to any of it mm. and just be curious and yeah. not go into looking at like one thing is better or one thing's worse or you know just be open to the humanity of it and yes. my own humanity yes um so yeah it's a lot of things like india for example i hesitated around india for a long time because i knew that it would become a thing in my life <laughs> and it did i i think i've been 13 times and spent four years in india over wow yeah and it was kind of like my late 20s through and way into my 30s and then yeah into my 40s as well haven't been to india for five was this during your hippie period with your long hair and, and <laughs> yeah I had a lot i had long hair in my beard until i was late 20s early 30s and then I, I shaved my hair off and i cut my beard and i realized then that you know that i just lost an identity because wow. people treated me differently and I was less accepted in certain circles. People were a little bit more mm. like, who are you and what do you want? As opposed to, hey, brother, you know, because I had yeah, a beard and hair and the, 
the kind of the badge of that yeah and then realize that wow that's that's another limited identity that's another thing that's is has mm -hmm. a certain conservatism yes about it um thinking that that was the liberated free love spirit it actually was something quite limiting in a sense um, yeah yeah, yeah. I, I remember when you brought this up during the retreat i was like yes you're speaking so much to like what's going on and and you put into like so much clarity because from the surface it looks like this community that we live in conscious uh spiritual people that we're surrounded with like it's all about peace and love mm. we're accepting everyone it's all about the light mm. yet underneath that there's still a lot of shadows about being so uh close to people who share similar mindset like i i i fell trapped into that like mm -hmm. i remember when i was first spiritually awakened i thought i only want to hang out with people who were as awakened as me i, I want to stop hanging out with people from my childhood because they don't get this new mentality that i have about how i view the world mm -hmm. and as you as as you pointed that in the retreat i realized yeah they're still very much present and even in this community the conscious mm -hmm. community many people claim to see everyone as one mm -hmm. um yeah yeah well yeah and that's it there's it's very seductive if it's, it's a very seductive experience that mm. um, and also it's limited because you you see everyone as one as long as they're in your agreement field often mm. so somebody outside that is seen as something else and this is showing up big time now around kind of people that are awake and people who are not awake mm. and this is a kind of othering and a separation yeah. again and for me it's about leaning into everything and tasting everything and that there's truth in all perspectives there's a mm. grain of truth yeah there's a grain of beauty um there's a grain of strength um so yeah it's kind of how fluidly can i move through that without grasping onto something or without pushing something away so mm. in a way it's like with the least resistance but also i kind of like the friction too so there's mm. there's ways that you can temper yourself through through friction through yep. challenge um, and not just being in a, an agreement field with people. So the kind of good vibes only thing hmm. is really going to bite you big yeah. time because you're creating this hermetically sealed, safe, soft reality in some sense where, you know, everyone's folding in together in peace and love, but yeah. anything outside of that becomes slightly threatening and slightly awkward and slightly um, alien to you. And mm. so, yeah, that's never been my sense of what i how i want to lead my life yeah I want to open to to all of it and to taste all of it and to be fluid in all of it mm. um, so yeah that's how i've kind of navigated that here's what happened after you shaved your beard <laughs> how did i go from beard to no beard that's quite that's easy to explain what happened after i shaved my beard yeah um well i wouldn't say it was a massively radical shift or anything but it yeah i mean it definitely made me realize that I'd, I'd held a certain identity in the way I was looking and I was dressing in a certain way, um, which was kind of travel-y, hippie style. Mm. And I then, once I'd shaped my head and my beard, um, I was like, okay, I'm now going to experiment with my clothing mm. and see what happens when I change my clothing. So yeah. I ch started changing my clothing within the context of what I liked and what I felt comfortable with. But yeah. I started pushing out all of the stuff of like, I don't wear that because that's a certain thing. It was like, do I like it or not? That's all that matters. Yeah. You know, and I started mm. to do that with clothing. I started to do it with music. So any 
if I liked a piece of music, it doesn't it doesn't now doesn't matter at all who made it. I don't care about that. Yeah, it's how it makes me feel. So you know, I like some kind of I like some Katy Perry, for example. Mm. And Twenty years ago, if I had been, you know, feeling I would like something mainstream like that, I'd have been like, "What? That's <laughs> yeah. like that's you know." I I resonated because as I felt like, oh, I'm going into this like mainstream kind of. Uh, not um, alternative lifestyle. Mm. I felt ashamed of liking like some mainstream songs, and now mm. like hide some of the songs that I play on Spotify. Mm. It's just denying a part of us, essentially. Sure. Because yeah. again, we're identifying with certain <clears throat> um, group or category or a, a standard, and, yeah. And we're not accepting full parts of us completely. Yeah, completely. And that's that. You know, that might sound superficial in terms of musical clothing. Yeah. But that fractals into everything mm. and when you start realizing that and unpicking that and seeing the metaphor in that it's profound yeah and it's it's its own teacher like mm. you don't need to necessarily read about it or be taught about it it will teach you you'll get schooled by that very fast yeah and so actually going well okay so music wise i like all of this stuff and in terms of the way i want to express myself or the way you know the people i I, you know, I have friends that I really love that I've had for years and mm -hmm. that, that we're not necessarily on the same wavelength in many regards, but in some respects we are, and I can always show up as me. That's my responsibility mm. that, that they have to adjust themselves to me. No, you, I will adjust to them, but I'll still be me. I yes. won't limit myself. So all of this stuff around limited identification and mm. kind of coming to a conclusion about oneself is so seductive because we want to grab hold of something and yeah. go, this is me i'm here this is what i and who i am yeah and for me it's like hold your hand out and hold it open and mm. open into the possibility of not knowing and to the potential the enormous potential in that mm. because the potential then is to be having so many different experiences yeah because you're not going oh i don't do that or i do do this or i don't do that yeah you know so in that regard i've really played a lot with um my look sometimes i like to dress and drag for example i love nail polish mm. nail varnish i've done that since i was younger i was a god yeah. when i was a teen so you got some that too yeah we got the gold nails um yeah and that's also helped me realize parts of myself as well you know right. so being in drag i thought well i'm going to find out about my femininity and that mm. is much more illuminating about my masculinity than mm. it was about my femininity so in that regard it's like wow this is a completely different perspective i would never have right. had that were it not for the fact that i was like mm. oh i'm going to experiment with this and see yeah. what happens yeah so. you're peeling off so many layers that have been built like through centuries of conditioning and all the social constructs that were built that are limiting uh, the possibilities of what we get to taste about ourselves. Mm. Like for a lot of men, dressing up as a drag sounds very, like people will scoff at that idea because like this idea of toxic masculinity, like we don't touch anything that's too feminine, that's gay, that's, mm. and, and it's just a story mm. uh, that is limiting what we can experience the, because that those those the feminine part is also part of us but like we a lot of men are not allowing themselves to touch on that with the fear of essentially not being accepted by mm. the society yeah well that's true and also now men are also not touching fully into their masculinity as well mm. because of fear yeah. right so men are getting very very limited in their way of showing up often 
and yes. it can it can come to the point of this kind of flat line flat land of experience mm. where it's kind of dulled it's dulled as an expression because men are monitoring the way they're showing up and the way they're interacting with people either amongst men or yeah. with, you know specifically with between men and women that's very very potent yeah, this is why you have a massive rise in in men's work as well mm. because there's a certain call to be, you know, more expressive and more embodied and more realized and actualized. But in terms of a hermetically sealed experience, it's this idea around creating realities. Um, this this idea that we create our own reality or we need to somehow have these kind of containers where we can show up in a way in the container and that to a certain extent has impact in our life yeah but how we show up in life is the most important thing i want to be consistent in my life mm. i want to as much as possible and you know i can have blind spots and areas yeah. of growth and everything like everyone else um i'm a human being but yeah. i want to be as consistent as possible and to line up you know the way i think the way i feel the way i show up in the world my actions my reactions everything kind of as far as possible lined up and for me that's like an integrated integrated integrity mm. in the way that i am in the world yeah. and if there's something off in that then it's useful because then i can look at that and understand and tune into what is there and what do i need to learn how do i need to adjust that mm. or how to just be with that not even to adjust it just yeah. to be with it yeah and i found um, there's a beauty in how you could fluidly meet people where they're at and 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 accept their perspectives and and resonate with them in a way that also that you're not you don't lose yourself in the process mm -hmm. like you're still even though you might turn into some um you're meeting someone who is less spiritual more spiritual um more entrepreneurial you commit all of them but you're not losing your core essence and you i guess that's what you meant by being consistent yeah my my core sense of myself uh is quite solid mm. not in a rigid sense but i have this knowledge of who i am mm. in some sense in my essence my essence is known to me mm. and it's taken me a long time to get to that point because for a long time i had a very fragmented mm. essence I didn't have a stable ego. Right. And so I was, you know, all of this time I was going tumbling in and out of experiences and different perspectives and stuff. There was a certain point when I realized in that, that I was a kind of chameleon. Mm. People would say, well, you're so, you're like a chameleon. Yeah. Right? And then I would get kind of confused about who am I? Like yeah. if I'm all of these different things, who am I essentially? Mm. And that was the thing that eventually I realized through doing deep inner work and interrelational work with other people, then I, once I touched in on that core center and established what I would call a healthy sense of myself, a he healthy ego, yeah. then I could still be massively chameleon-like, mm. but I was consistent in myself. Right. So I wouldn't lose myself in that process, especially right. in intimate relationships where a lot of people, mm. they, you know, are, ultimate dream is to in some sense is to come into union with somebody to fold in fully into like you know utter beauty with somebody and and union and then what happens then is a lot of fear comes up a lot of separation comes up a lot of triggers come up <clears throat> and we we get we can get very resistant to it 
and we can lose our sense of self. So yeah. people then need space. I need to, I need space from you because I need to breathe into myself and figure out who I am again. I, mm. I you know, you hear this a lot. Like I yeah. lost my sense of self in the relationship. We yeah. became codependent. We became all this stuff. And in my sense of that is because people don't have this essential mm. self established in, right. in, inside their, their being. Yeah. yeah. And I like what you said about how to get that solid sense of your essence of, of who you are. You, The way is to go out and get to taste all parts of you, mm -hmm. all the extremes so that you know that where to come back to and where that core really is. Mm -hmm. And I found that it's, uh, and a lot of people, they do the opposite of they're holding on to tightly to their identity or what they know because they're afraid of losing themselves. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But the way to like not lose themselves is to, from from your experience, like really go out and like face all these different realities, all parts of you, the different sides of you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I can speak into my life experience and somehow translate that into especially the work that I'm doing. Yeah. But ultimately, it was coming home in myself and realizing mm. that actually I'm the common denominator in my life. Yeah. So therefore, I have a certain responsibility. I co-create my reality with other people. So I don't necessarily buy into this, we create our own reality thing because everything in the universe is connected. So mm. in my perspective, I'm co-creating shared realities all the time. And I'm mm. never looking for objective truth. Objective truth, there is objective truth. We can have objective truth as possible, but interrelationally, it's very difficult to get to objective truth. In my sense, it's much more interesting to get to intersubjective truth. So mm. you're, you have subjective truth, I have subjective truth yeah. and how do we actually honor them and meet in that? How do we feel into each other's perspective and see what's there and see how open we can be to each other and mm -hmm. you know what we can glean from each other and what we can accept and where our boundaries are and all of these different perspectives. Yeah. So in terms of me realizing where I was in the world, who I was in the world, it was really that I am, I'm home already. I mean, mm -hmm. there is no physical home there yeah. is no hotel or or villa or whatever it is wherever i am whichever country whichever continent yeah. i'm home already yeah. in myself and then realizing that i had certain limited perspectives yeah. energetically in my body that yeah. i needed to work through which were inter interpersonal interrelational so then i was like okay so how do i work with this what mm -hmm. do i do in this sense so I've been into a lot of meditation, a lot of yoga and things like that um, throughout my whole life, pretty much. I mean, I was taught to meditate when I was five by my uncle, who's a Hindu. Wow. Yeah. So that was a kind of long-term practice for me. But the interpersonal practices were coming into friendships or romance or, you know, intimate relationships. Outside that, I didn't know it was often detrimental when I showed up more powerfully when I brought more of myself forward or I was triggered or I was, you know, I was sensitive and emotional yeah. in some sense. Yeah. It wasn't welcome. It didn't land. It yeah. created chaos and disconnection. So it's like, how do I, how do I create meaning out of this in a way where I can alchemize this? Mm. And this sent me on this path into essentially like kind of authentic relating and the practice called circling. I don't know if you know circling. Mm -hmm. So I studied circling through friends of mine that I met in India years ago who started um, a company called Circling Europe. And then I was involved in their training program and then their kind of advanced training um, program. And 
yeah, it was like a revelation to me in some sense. It was like a doorway through which I could enter something. Yeah. Um, the practice itself, I found limiting mm. um, pretty quickly. It felt limiting to me. Yeah. Um, and also I was kind of getting myself into problems around the the, the kind of rules of what mm -hmm. was happening in the room because I was going way further into things. I was kind of wanting to move into right. connections and move energies, and I didn't really know what I was doing necessarily. Mm -hmm. I was just doing. And so I was like, okay, this is, you know, I don't feel fully accepted in this community. Mm. And so I kind of was still looking outside of that right. um, for something where I could land um, yeah land essentially what had 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 opened in me all those years ago never really had a place in the world mm. and so it was there constantly it's always here yeah always but i couldn't articulate it necessarily and then even bringing it into connection or it felt very ambiguous and there's been points in my life i've been through maybe seven years of therapy wow and you know points where it's been like you know, people worried from, in some sense, from my mental health around addiction, but also around my perspective being so like mm. clunky for people or difficult for them to understand. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of my life, I thought there's something wrong with me, you know? And then I realized, no, there's nothing wrong with me. Mm. I just don't yet, I haven't yet found somewhere to land this yes. that ha that's, can hold the value of it or can hold it in the sense of being able to have a place in the world where I can move into it as opposed mm. to kind of hesitate at the doorway of the experience. Mm. So yeah, that was. And this search led you to Avalon. It did. Yeah. Yeah. It led me to Alanya, mm. who is the founder of Avalon. So at one of the, <clears throat> one of the circling weekends or whatever it was in Norway, um, I was attending quite a lot of those things at one point yeah. years ago, probably 10 years ago. I met a woman who changed everything in my life. Like as soon as we kind of looked at each other and touched each other, like held each other's hand, like there was a deep recognition, a deep knowing, a deep shared reality. Mm. It was literally like I really didn't need to say anything to her. Wow. Beyond that, in some sense, I recognized a way of seeing or a depth of seeing that um, felt like me mm. in some sense. I felt deeply seen by her. Mm and deeply accepted by her mm. and then yeah we she had done i don't know four or five avalons at that point she was coming from a psychotherapeutic background a psychodrama and was developing her own work and had created this thing called avalon yeah and then she invited me to come and visit her and her family in gran canaria for i don't know a week or two weeks i had no idea i just packed my bags and mm -hmm. jumped on the plane and then i stayed nearly three years wow there. yeah from just like a one contact you trusted her you packed her it wasn't stuff. one contact we had set we kept running into each other right every time we kind of locked eyes or saw each other or it was very few words and a strong this just this incredible opening feeling of possibility and mm -hmm. um, like there was attraction there in terms of not a sexual attraction for me yeah but it was more that there was something for us to create mm -hmm. and something for us to do together and deep recognition and in a way it was the person i've been seeking in some sense yeah i've never felt so seen i've never felt so wow. um acknowledged or valued in what 
you know didn't really have a place suddenly had a home yeah yeah and and you could feel that just through her presence and her being without like you said any words or like you just even the first encounter the first time you met her like she didn't know anything about you you haven't shared much about your life with her but you know nothing so seen yeah nothing at all wow yeah so yeah i mean obviously after that we started to learn about each other and we you know shared many many discourses with each other and um within whenever how long ever long i've been in gran canaria i did my first avalon mm. with her as a participant or just as a kind of yeah she said come and see what's going on in the space so i did and that was the last one i did as a participant mm. in some sense i went after that in and i was I was on it like I was very eager in that to I had a lot of things that were alive and I felt like for me it's always been surrender and presence and energetic work is, yeah. is kind of where I feel natural naturally gifted or naturally open or there's an enabled feeling in me mm. and so I just went into lots of different pro my own processes there was a lot of anger in me there was a lot of stuff to to work on yeah and so I just kind of diligently went into that in right. the retreat and then with her outside of the retreat and then the second retreat i basically went as a co-facilitator mm. but at the same time i still had because when you facilitate a surrendered space a container your shit gets in your face yeah. immediately yeah it's very very radically present yeah um so yeah i kept going down kept going into my own kept clearing through my own yeah. maybe you can give a little bit of context like to what avalon is to yeah the, yeah the yeah yeah, completely. So Avalon is, I mean, basically at that point, and I mean, it the, was the kind of essence of it. Mm. It's, a, it's a very surrendered space for radical expression and mm -hmm. acceptance. So in some sense, we, we're not using any breath work. We're not using any really guided meditations. Yeah, We're using curiosity, surrender, presence, and connection. It's the kind of four pretty much the four main things that we would use as a, a means to get under the surface of where we're at and into a more deeper sense of truth and yeah. expressive truth. So <clears throat> it's amazing what happens when you remove construct. So you create a very open, permissible space yeah. and you got, lead people to a certain extent into um, a deconstruction of construct around the way they're showing up, the way mm. that they've been educated, the way you're positioning yourself, the way that you want to be liked by everyone. Yeah. And you're kind of mediating and possibly manipulating subtly the world around you. So it has a positive response to you. And actually, if you take away all of that and say, it's okay, it's okay mm. to feel whatever is going on underneath that, because for sure, if you're going through life like that, there's a lot of times when you're avoiding conflict where you're avoiding feeling where you're avoiding your own deeper expression yeah um and that can build up a level of fear around acceptance we mm. want to be loved we want to be accepted and if i show up in my vulnerability or my anger or whatever it is then i might be rejected yeah so this idea of non-judgment and a very compassionate open space gives people permission to actually take a deeper breath into themselves mm. and to go wow actually yeah i do feel kind of frustrated and what what's that all about or i do feel kind of sad right now and what's that all about yeah and yeah and it it's when one does that and brings it into connection with somebody else you can really alchemize things in an mm. extraordinary way 
you know, because our main fear is that we, you know, bringing that any of those things into connection with people, mm. often those have been shut down in us yeah. through disconnection or through a, 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 a experience that was negative in a connection. Yeah. So that's what we fear. Yeah. So, um, yes, yeah, it's, it's an incredibly powerful tool, just the connection part. Yeah. I want to add in a little bit of my experience and give mm -hmm. a little bit of flavor to the listeners. Sure. Because uh, I think it's quite difficult to grasp from uh, this description, just like how I was when I first heard about the retreat. And I was like, oh, blah, 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 blah. okay, I still don't know what this is all about. <laughs> I just trusted and like follow with uh, my intuition. And I and having experienced the your retreat, I was just blown away by what's possible and what is what is hidden underneath all the conditioning and the construct and the limitation of what we've been withholding to express. Mm. And I've, I'm someone who have done a lot of like inner work and I little did I know that I was still bottling up so much. Mm. I was just surprised by what I saw in myself, the amount of rage and like the sadness and the pain that came out. And I've never seen myself expressing all this emotion in that level mm. and it was just incredible how much that we are not accessing as a human being like how many people are walking in this planet like really blinded mm. how much of their shackle and how much this pain and baggage is carrying with them it's almost as if they're walking with uh like a, this big ball that is shackled on, on their legs like they didn't know they're being pulled down by this weight and the space just allowed the possibility for all of us to taste all these things that are not really, I, I wasn't even aware that I was carrying all of this pain with me that was still stuck and trapped in my body. Mm. And that space just allowed for this, this, uh, as you put it, the, the goal to, to come up. Mm. Uh, and as we really? alchemized that, as I al alchemized that, I, I just felt a different ways of being just so much more at peace, so much more centered in my core mm. as I've tasted all of me. Mm. And I could, because of that, I felt so much centered and at peace with who I am and with my essence. Mm. And that was just the beauty. I feel like the, the space that Avalon and the space that uh, you created in mm. your program. Sure. Yeah, completely. Well, it's beautiful. I, you know, I'd love to see you in the space and to, to work with you and to, to feel how you've, you know, changed or the way you feel you've changed since mm. then. It's really beautiful to witness. So, mm. um, but yeah, it's surprising how, you know, we're, op we often feel that we have this kind of freedom and that we're expressive, yeah. but we're operating in a very narrow bandwidth of possibility yeah. in ourselves. And that we that can kind of be channeled through you know these kind of energies that are that are held or stuck energies i look at it often as a like a like i have a column inside of me mm. and the column over the years have been dented or has been bent or has been you know moved by experience or has been damaged in some sense and there's kind of points where energy leaks out and there's points where energy gets absorbed mm -hmm. and so that my life force gets kind of coerced and and um, uh, diverted into certain things and gets absorbed into certain triggers or certain uh, perspectives yeah. that, um, that aren't actually who I am in my essence. Mm. They were they were they were gifts in some sense. They were given to me 
from my childhood or from my life yeah. and then to go and really to figure out what's there and the kind of gift of triggers and the gift of like you know points where we don't feel comfortable or whatever it is where we feel unsafe yeah. basically and um, which is a really good indicator of any kind of trauma is feeling of unsafety yeah um it's a massive gift to like be able to go oh what's there why do i feel unsafe in this moment and what is there for me to to learn or to feel in that particular instance mm -hmm. so the more i work through my own contractions and my own limitations the more my body opened the more my heart opened mm -hmm. the more my solar plexus opened the more my my root opened my throat opened um, mm -hmm. which i had a you know points where i've really had a lot of contraction was in my throat and my root mm. and so finding my voice was really intense for me because mm. i was brought up in this environment where if you spoke you better know what you're talking about otherwise you'll get criticized and judged right. and so i was fearful about talking yeah and then in my sexuality and in my sexual expression i was um i was contracted because of abuse mm. and um shame i held a lot of shame there yeah. So actually working through that um, energetically and also, you know, feeling accepted and landing in a group, um, mm. which is a fantastic way to alchemize shame. Yeah. Um, because our fear is that no one is going to love us if this is out in the world. Yeah. So again, it's all comes down to these same kind of principles of like you lock an energy at a certain age, you're told that something is wrong or you're not accepted in the way that you are. Yeah. And something gets locked in your body system and you hold it mm. all the way through your life. And mm. maybe it comes out, it leaks out, it pops out or when you get triggered or you get anger, for example. Yeah. So that's not acceptable. Don't ever be angry. Yeah. And you carry that your entire life. You don't mature in your anger beyond that age, pretty much. Maybe a little bit, but very little compared with what mm. it would have been if you were just freely allowed to express that force. It's force, right. not anger at that point. Yeah. And I like the analogy that you gave was was about which was about how we're all like our body's a time machine. Yeah. Like when you get triggered, you go back down in that age and mm -hmm. like act as if you were at that age because sure. of that things that were still locked and the pressure that was still stuck in our body. Yeah, completely. Completely. I mean, it's, you know, to continue with the the expression of anger, I mean, it's so often you'll hear adults arguing and they sound like six-year-olds. Yeah. You know, the articulation is very limited. The yeah. perspective is incredibly limited. There's very little objectivity. There's a lot of accusation, a lot of finger-pointing and lack of logic, for example. Mm. The emotion is, is taking over the body in some sense where it's not like you need to control the emotion, but it's coming in a way that's, you know, potentially destructive or mm. leads, lead to disconnection. It's yeah. not opening to any kind of connection at that point right. because it's, it's an acute energy that's, if you squeeze a hose, you know, the water comes out way more hard and fast. And mm. it's very similar to that. If you open the hose up, the water will flow in a way that's much more expressive and consistent. Mm. And so, yeah i mean anger or grief or you know the way that we show up in the world generally gets very very limited mm, yeah and if we limit those things that we deem negative or shadow like in our lives we also limit the other things the other yeah. side the kind of lighter more yes. expressive more potential in our life almost in direct correlation mm. so the tendency is to go i don't want to deal with that because that's way too intense and way too much yeah. I want to just focus on this 
and then we can get fantastically out of balance in ourselves yeah because we're not you know we are in some ways constructing a obelisk on top of a very unstable mm. um foundation mm. so we can go and really work on our foundation which can be very very early on traumas in our childhood and our babyhood yeah then it's incredible how stable you can become and then mm. you can actually start constructing all sorts of things and you can disidentify without losing your sense of self mm. this is the other thing is that yeah that often when people aren't stable in their core they need to hold some kind of strong identity right it stabilizes them in the world and i could testify to like how after tasting like the extreme of my emotions that and after alchemizing all of them like i could there's a different depth of how it could feel now mm. i could feel so much more of life and 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 people and nature mm. and it's just yeah the testament of the beauty of just really going in into that pain and really feeling it fully and how that translates into the way i could also now feel so much deeply of all the the joy and the and the beauty of life mm -hmm. yeah completely and i mean ultimately you're opening yourself you're dilating your experience and you're going into an expansive sense of what's present in you and what's alive in you mm. it's not necessarily depth because depth denotes something going down into mm. something it's more for me an expansive three-dimensional possibility right and that's what surrender is ultimately surrender for me isn't this it's this it's an expansive potential um and a very dynamic field with which mm. we can move and operate yeah um so then it's that we have an the depth to which we feel in ourselves then is the depth to which we see and can see into and through in reality in connection with other people in mm. nature itself so the deeper i've gone into that the more expansive i've gone the more open i've become the more life has opened mm. essentially for me and so then it's like i don't want to master life i want to be mastered and so just i want to be penetrated but also to penetrate as well to use the will in life to land things and to be able to in some sense embody like a magician energy in terms of creation and da doing the dance between what i would call na nature and will mm. so what is naturally occurring or naturally arising and how i'm relating to that willfully yeah um for me in my life it's a permaculture it's pretty much the same as permaculture so a deeper understanding and knowledge of my own nature and nature itself yeah and then how to come into right relationship with that with my will mm. rather than imposing my will over it or coercing it or trying to dominate it in any sense and master right. it i want to come into this right relationship with it mm. and dance the dance right and that is every breath and every moment of my life mm. it's never off in a sense yeah um, and in that regard i don't necessarily need conditions in order to set where i'm at in myself so i can be in my sense of myself i can be as open and present in a temple space or aisle six of the supermarket or a sports bar in miami it doesn't really matter because it's all just experience and it's all life force and it's all yeah this incredible um strange augmented thing that we call reality or call life yeah um it doesn't need to be i don't need a certain condition mm. and yet there are conditions under which i feel like that i set for my life to a, to an extent but i'm open to many conditions yeah in that way it's a good place i think to 
uh, wrap our conversation. And I would like to you to maybe share like one thing that you like our audience will kind of walk away with through your work, through your life experience. Wow. Um, yeah, I think, um, well, acceptance is a massive key as well. Like being gentle with oneself mm. and, you know, understanding that we, there is an intelligence around our boundaries as well. There's an inter intelligence around our limitation. There's an intelligence in that. Mm. And to push into that in, in a way that's not fully acknowledging or fully honoring that, um, it's we can push ourselves beyond our limits in a way mm. so that this kind of acceptance of i feel my boundary i understand there's a boundary there and because we feel safe within a boundaried mm. um, perspective and also we have this other force where we want to break boundaries yeah but gently leaning into a boundary is my from my experience it's the way that i've found the most um intelligence the most um sense of of growth in myself mm. because at a certain point in my life, I wanted to break all the boundaries and I just created a lot of kind of chaos and dis dysregulation in myself. Yeah. So it was keeping the awareness of my boundary, where I am, where I feel safe and where I don't feel safe. And then gently leaning into, mm. into the not knowing or into the, into my edges and seeing what's, what's there, what's mm -hmm. alive or wants to live. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. I guess a participant, I just wanted to, share my most genuine uh, recommendation and this testament to how powerful this work is and the amount of uh, depth and not just depth again, like it's just three, five times, eight dimension of like every possibility is I get a taste of, of myself and, and how I, and by doing that, how much I could taste of others and of life. And it's just beautiful. Like how, many possibilities that were unlocked for me and how much more I could feel of life and be larger with life. It was just incredible. Like mm -hmm. I, I just wish that every single person could get a taste and experience this work. And then by doing that, really get a taste of themselves and of mm -hmm. life and to fully live. Mm -hmm. So Beautiful. yeah, check out Dojo. <laughs> Definitely going to make your way there. Uh, and this conversation has just really inspired me again of how much, um, that is there to, to taste and experience of ourselves and our life and, and your life experience, Tom, of how much you're so curious and so open to really receiving and accepting and taking in from life and experiencing different realities and, through that it allows you to taste all parts of you and and creating and feeling a sense of home and core in yourself through that that is what i'm really taking away with is to like you said sense my boundaries and not try to like be limited by the boundary but slowly leaning into it like what else what else is at the edge of this mm. this little container mm. and that knowing that this this that is like called me is just a very transient transient stage a part of me that is on its way to constantly evolve and and i'm i'm on, on this path of like uh, experiencing and wanting to taste all parts of me and and how i got to do that is to fully 
allow and to surrender to life mm. and to let let life and the universe work its way through me mm. so just beautiful thank you tom thank for you. this conversation <laughs> thank you for being here so, so appreciate much. you so much me. love for you you too thank love you. you so much